Let's get ready to rumble! Welcome back, everyone. It is go for set deck, and boy, has it been a break. Well, a break for me, not really a break for anyone else. But uh, yeah, welcome back. And I tried to think of a non-cheesy way to open this episode, but it was that or a knock-knock joke, and I'm genuine about that. I genuinely consider doing a knock-knock joke with myself for this intro. Uh, but we're back, and I'm still your host, Shayna Worsham, and today we have a very awesome and exciting guest that I love so much. Her name is Ariel Kaplan, and to give you a little background about her, she comes from the independent world and has worked on things like Lovecraft Country, which I don't know why I stumbled on that, but Lovecraft Country is amazing. And if you haven't seen it, you should definitely watch it because it's great. And she's also done The First Black Panther, Fast and Furious 7 and 8, and Wonder Years. She's kind of dabbled in set deck and props and and all kinds of things. So it's kind of exciting to have a mini-sode where she'll talk about some of her experiences and some of the things that, you know, she's gone through. Woo! And another fun fact about Ariel is she is an amazing artist. She doodles and my brain melts. It makes no sense. I am so fascinated by her artistic abilities and I can't I don't understand people with raw talent like that. It's phenomenal. And on top of all these amazing things that she's done, she also is a stand-up comedian. And so she also is going to plug that information at the end of this episode. So I encourage you to buy tickets to her festival if you're in the Atlanta area and check her out because it's a great show and it's awesome to support your local comedians. Super fun. All right, so without further ado, enjoy. Thank you so much, Ariel, for coming on. I'm very excited that you're doing this because I just, I'm just so excited to have you on. You're such a fun person. Well, thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. I would love to hear about how you got your start in the film industry, if you would oblige. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's, um, you know, I, I wanted to do film since I was little because my uncle was, is in the film industry. He's a production designer and he was a lead man in set deck um, in San Francisco when I was growing up. So he brought me to film sets and I like fell in love with it. So I was like, I'm going to do film. And I, tried to go to college and it didn't work for film <laughs> oh yeah yeah you just have to like have good grades um and I had a really bad GPA <laughs> and no one cares if you make stop motion if you can't uh do math apparently so oh ooh, yeah that was what got you huh that is what is math and science just you know can't, can't uh, you gotta study is the thing and I refused but <laughs> My start has nothing to do with school, basically. And I was working at a pizza place that uh, in, in like Decatur and looking on Craigslist for like crews, like film, small independent film stuff, just really risking my life. Uh, just 
real dangerous stuff. And I would only take jobs that said things like, we're not going to pay you, but you get an IMDb credit. So I knew it was big enough to have some production value and get a credit. And that was, that was my criteria. So I did a lot of really bad ones. Uh, I did some good ones. I worked on a small film with Tessa Thompson before she was famous. Oh, cool. Yeah. It was pretty neat. And, um, it was, uh, didn't get paid. I was a prop master for that. Oh, fun. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But I was able to start like putting it on my resume and build my resume. And I went to my uncle after I'd done a few independent films and I was like, I think I feel ready to join the union because he was the one that told me about the union. And he was like, you know, he told me that was a good idea and gave me, he hooked me up with my very first, my very first boss, a set decorator. (laughs) And I just got set deck jobs from there. And, and it was just like, that was, that was basically it is that it was um, mild nepotism, but it came from me working very hard and doing things for free for a couple of years to prove that I deserve the nepotism. (laughs) 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 And then also my first boss, I won't name names was um, very difficult and knew, knew why I was, how I was hired. Okay. And she wanted to show me that there was no such thing as nepotism and kind of went the other way with it. Oh, like really far the other way with it. It made my life very difficult. I was the only female and, um, it was like a, it was a real trial by fire and sink or swim kind of thing. Um, uh, psychologically damaging. Very low key trauma here. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but I, I knew that I liked it was the thing. Um, not the psychological trauma. But the job, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, a, a little bit, and, you know, it's just, it's a real healthy pattern. Um, but I fought my way through that job, managed to keep it despite everything and, and proved myself. And eventually you she were, started- your first, that, that first job was a set deck buyer position, right? You were buying. I was sorry. It was a set dresser. I was just, a oh, set dresser. you were set dressing. You started as a set dresser. Okay. Yes. What, um, what positions did you start out doing in the independent world when you were first getting credits? Prop master and like production designer. Um, cause I have a strong art background and graphic design and fabrication background. And I used to, I worked, I did a lot of my own films for the 48 hour film festival. I used to produce and direct those. Mm-hmm. So I had a, 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 the ability to do like a, a larger scale sort of view of the art world within an independent film. And so I just went for the top roles. Cause you know, if you're not getting paid, you can do anything. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Willing, yeah. Like if you're willing to take on all this work with no, for no pay, then do it. And so I would, and, and, um, went to, I went to New York and did some Tribeca film fest stuff as well. And like, it was really hard, but it was, uh, it was all just, again, sink or swim, just like figure it out. And uh, it, it I made me very well prepared for when I finally did get into the union and things like that. Oh, that's that. awesome. Did you yeah. feel like there was a huge difference transitioning into the union world of film from the indie world? Like, yeah, because things I, are such a different... I did. I did. Because, yeah. you know, in the, the independent world, you wear so many hats and, and in the union world, they're like, don't touch that light. 
feel like I'm like I'll file a grievance. And I was like, what's a what? When <laughs> you move the cable. So that kind of thing where like there was this division of labor that I wasn't used to. Um, and okay. I, and I, I had to learn the jobs, you know, and, yeah. and um, it was very large scale. The union being in a union was very different. It was stand up for yourself, go to lunch, like all these rules where I was like, I was just used to abuse, <laughs> I was, like, <laughs> you know, just being like, yeah, no, there's no stop and start. We work till it's done. And like, I guess we'll eat today, you know, and maybe, yeah. And it, it, and so I was just kind of amazed that we had all these, these rules. Yeah. It was completely regimented and you're like, what is structure? What? (laughs) No, I know. So, so it was good because it was like a a weird boot camp. I had to unlearn some aspects, but it did make it so like everything I, I got, including like snacks. I was grateful for, you know, yeah for, um, for some sort of regimen. Yeah. I remember that one of the first, uh, commercials or music videos I went on to from after doing these like tiny independent stuff, I had a lunch allowance of $15 and I was in LA. So I feel like it, you know, it kind of doesn't go as far, but I was like, $15? Oh, my God. <laughs> I about not, not my money? <laughs> I'm still like that, honestly. I'm like, I was, like, if I'm out and I'm like, oh, I'll just pay for it on mine. I'm like, you don't, don't do that. Don't That's do bad. that. That is bad. bad. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You, have a you don't want to teach productions that you can get exploited and be okay yeah. with it. That's yeah, bad. and now I just, like, go really hard with it the other way. I'm just yeah. like. I will spend every penny. <laughs> yeah, I, I worked 16 hours the other day. I am getting extra sushi. Like you will. <laughs> I'm going over the limit and you will do it. <laughs> or like when you forget to eat because you're buying and you're just yeah. like, man, I didn't turn in a receipt for Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday because I just forgot to eat. So Friday is going to be, yeah, sushi again. Like just like the yeah. most expensive meal. And you're like, well, that's the last three days. And when they argue it, I'm like, you will notice how I neglected to feed myself for three out of the five days that I worked. So it actually equals out. This so one, you do like, good. Okay. You win. So you can just deal with it. <laughs> yeah, it does get crazy sometimes when you skip meals. And I've gotten way better about it because I used to, um, you're driving around, you're stressed out, you're trying to find this thing and you have a certain amount of time. And so if you'd stop for lunch, then that takes away from the time that you have. And what if you don't meet this deadline? And I... Yeah made it a point that I will eat when I am hungry for lunch and I have to give myself that boundary. Otherwise you're not eating till nine or 10 o'clock and yeah. you're not. And your care of yourself. Yeah. That was a big thing. You know, all of a sudden it's four and you're like, well, I only have like four more hours. Right. Maybe I should just wait, you know? Yeah. And, and then you're like, no, I can't do math. Any- well, I couldn't do math to begin with. We <laughs> but like, I, I can't, uh, I can't like you're you're standing there in the store and you're just yeah. like staring at things. You're like, pick something. What the fuck are you doing? And yeah. like when you don't eat, you're just like, I know one of these things is the right thing, but I I cannot like you see you've seen Westworld. Yeah, it's I feel like the robot or like all the robots where they're just like looking at something like that doesn't look like anything to me. Like yeah. you're just like, <laughs> yeah. you're not, like I don't, is that pillow? I don't know. Is that pillow? Is that yeah. pillow? So, so now I do. I do try and eat because I'm, I'm 
definitively the drop off. I am bad at my job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it creates a faster path to burnout, which is like, it gets so expedited if you don't take care of yourself. And the older I get, the more I realize burnout is so real. And I was just running on fumes show after show after show. Yeah. And it's not good. It does no, not any good. Now that I'm on set, I have, and I, I have a really hard time asking people for things, but I'm, uh, the assistant prop master. So I have people underneath me. So I'll have props PA or one of my assistants and I'll have to be like, you need to go, you need to tell me when there's snack out and you, you need to like, I need you to ask me if I'm hungry. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, won't, I can't leave set. So I'll be like, please feed me. <laughs> like I'm a child. I can't please bring me water. No, but a hundred percent. I feel like that's a really good point to bring up because a a lot of people that are going into these positions and a lot of people that listen, um, are kind of new to the industry and a big part of, you know, an entry-level job is just feeding and getting water. Or a props assistant or whatever. And you have a boss that looks like they want to die. They do. Even if they're putting on a good face, they want to die. And they're not, I, I bet you they're not feeding themselves and they're definitely not drinking enough water, even if they think they are. And yeah. if you just ask them like, Hey, are you good? Do you want me to get you any snacks or like any water or anything? Like, right. God, it makes such a difference. Just like Huge. You, it shows that they understand that like you have a crazy workload and you're, you know, it's, it just shows human empathy, which sometimes in this industry we forget. Absolutely. Um, empathy and sympathy for other people, especially if they're above you and they seem kind of angry or short, you know, like yeah, just not taking it personally and being like, maybe they're hangry. It, yeah. really, goes, it really goes, they're just like, oh, wow, that's yes, actually, you know, legit. Yeah. I've scheduled, um, there was this one time I worked with this decorator and Right around 12.05, we decided to have a meeting. It was the beginning of the show. Um, Nothing was crazy, but we're having this meeting. There's probably about 400 pictures we're going to show her. It's myself and another buyer. And before we start this meeting, I'm like, oh, well, it's almost lunchtime. Should we just eat lunch before? And she, she, the decorator was like, no, no, it's fine. We'll just go through these. Well, the meeting ended up being two hours long. And by the end of it, she hadn't chosen any of the things we had shown her. And it was like 400 photos. So pretty well sourced. And she was getting very aggravated and agitated. She was snapping at us. And so we decided that we would have a lunch break. We go to lunch afterwards. I take a pile. I pick out six of my favorites and six of the other buyer's favorites. We reshow them to her and she chooses three of the things. So I think sometimes you have to be aware that when you're talking to your boss or when you're talking to someone, if it's around a lunch hour, just eat first. It'll yeah. make everything go so much smoother. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's true. And even not even just for the nutrition, but taking like a mental break. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just just sitting down and just taking a mental break. Cause you just like your decorator was having that Westworld moment where she's like, I don't know what yeah. these things are. Just, exactly. I can't, you can't even see them correctly. <laughs> exactly. What's one of the craziest things that's ever happened to you on set? I know that's such a broad question and there's so many insane things that you can answer with, but what's like a, something that you, that happened to you and you were like, what the fuck is this real life? Is this, did anyone else witness this? Cause this can't be real. 
I am going through my Rolodex. Yeah. My silence is not for lack of. <laughs> of stories. It is uh, picking the right one for this moment. Um, do you want a good one or a bad one? Or let's, just, do, like, let's do the good one first and then okay. we can do a bad one. The good one is that I was working on a, a film, a small film. I think you know the story called The Leader Seeker. And I, it was with Donald Sutherland and Helen Mirren and this wonderful Italian crew uh, with Paolo Verzi. It was the director who's a big Italian director. And just like, the, it was just so such a cool experience. So neat. We were in Key West. We finished the movie in Key West, which is cool to be down there. Yeah, fun. Um, so like a couple days before the end of the movie, uh, they decided that they wanted to cast me in a, in a role uh, and act in a scene opposite Donald Sutherland. And casual. <laughs> casual. And I had never acted before in my life. Well, I was, I was like a really good Liesl in eighth grade. In the Ooh, love music. that. Like, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, so good. I was so good. Um, and that was the last time I'd acted. And so, you know, yeah, just casual acting opposite Donald Sutherland. And, but my immediate response was, was to be offended <laughs> because I was like, you think that as the assistant prop master, I can just walk away from my job and just, oh, I can go back now because 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 my job's not important and you can just walk away. Like you wouldn't ask the cameraman to act. You you like I was like, who's going to move the chairs? <laughs> who's going to give them their stuff? You know, like which ended up also being me. I ended up acting and doing my job uh, at the same time, which was interesting. So um, anyway, I was supposed to be like a nice tour guide and they changed my part last minute to like, based on my personality and my interactions with Donald to this part that was written for a man um, as the angry taxi cab driver that like cusses Donald Sutherland out because he decides to stiff me. I was so scared. And then I saw... I was so scared because they changed my lines. And, and then I saw the new lines and I was like, oh, this is way easier. Because it was, it, it, was, it, was, it was how I talked to him every day. I'm just like, get your shit together. <laughs> and, and also it was more of my personality other, rather than being this coddling, like, oh, are you okay, mister? Are you, are you doing okay? And instead of just being like, hey, I need, give me my money. Like, I was like, yeah, okay, I can do this. I don't even need to memorize it. Um, and it was great. And it was great. And they kept the whole scene in the movie, which is rare. I expected it to be cut. I was terrible. Um, <laughs> you were not terrible. I saw it and you were not terrible. I was not good. I, I That is I, a complete lie. <laughs> <laughs> That's very nice of you. I don't, I really don't feel great about uh, my, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. My delivery, whatever. I don't know enough about acting to even say the right words here. But it was a, a moment in time that happened very quickly, again, that I was annoyed about. Right. I took out my earpiece and I was like, just wire me up. And then like, as soon as they were done, I was like, all right, get this shit off of me, put my earpiece back in and like picked up the chair and kept going. And now looking back on it, I was, that was, I was 26 then and I'm 32 now. I was like, that was the, one of the coolest days of my life. <laughs> yeah. But it happened super quickly. And I was just like, yeah, I guess this was like, it was also my first assistant prop master job. So I was like, oh. I guess it just happens and it has not happened since. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it just happens, but like never again. <laughs> I have not been cast at the end of the film opposite the lead. I happened on the last one. You guys are slacking. Like it's not, <laughs> but that was, I think that was the best 
one where I was like, this is, this is pretty cool. Yeah. I love how spontaneous it was. And then the changing yeah. personality and that's like so fun. Yeah. And just, it was, I also like really, I never messed up, which I will say like, no matter how much, for how my performance is and how I feel about that, like, because I'd watched every department and I knew like every department and, and I knew how difficult actors could be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to remember the continuity. I'm not going to mess with my costumes. I'm going to, I like sound was like, don't take off the seatbelt before you start talking. Cause the beeping, um, the car, you take your seatbelt off goes over your line. So I was like, got that, got this roll up your sleeves, touch your hair at this point. So it was, it was like a culmination of watching all these different departments and it, it translated well. It was, it was interesting to just be like, I got you guys. <laughs> and, and gonna put my props on the right wrist. Like it was, it was, it was cool. It was a cool moment. That's awesome. And I saw it and you are completely full of garbage when you say you're bad. It was great. You were perfect. <laughs> I loved it. Amazing. <laughs> Jeez, Donald, and Donald. so now you can tell me the bad one so you can't talk badly about what I just said. <laughs> Yay. Um mm, Oh God, what's, what's the, what's a good bad? My cat is snoring. So is mine. Really? Yeah. He's what? I think that's fine. He has, I think he has like allergies or something. Um, anyway, uh, I was like, what's that sound? Is it coming? Is that like a drill? Is it coming through the walls? I'm like, that's my cat. That's <laughs> um, the bad one. Let's see. I, so, okay. So a, a good bad one. It's my fault and it's a good lesson learned. Okay. Love that. Is that in props? You interact with actors a lot. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, they can be difficult. And, and there's a very distinct line between advocating for yourself when someone's being a bully or, or being very difficult or throwing you under the bus and jeopardizing your job, which is something that happens and sucking it up and taking it because you have to, because actors will get you fired. Like you, if, if, if it comes down to it, no matter how much they love you, they will always choose the person they have hundreds and hundreds of hours worth of footage over, <laughs> over you. I'm shocked. Yeah. So you are always replaceable, no matter how great you are, which is, which is scary and frustrating. And right this was a good moment in that where I had an actor and they had requested a prop to be done in a way that could not be undone. It was not traditional. They wanted it the way they wanted it. It wouldn't have looked great on camera. I ran it by the director and let them know, like, this is what she wants. And then I like said it to her a bunch. I was like, are you sure? Because once I do this, it will take a very long time to undo this. And I know we're in a hurry. So I want to make sure that you understand what this will look like. It was like a, the way a present a box should be Hollywooded, which would like, wrapped. Oh. so like the meaning, like the lid, I know, you know, but just for every, like the lid is wrapped separate of the bottom when it's a, when it's a gift so that you can lift it in a, in a scene like they do in movies. Like nobody wraps in real life. Nobody right. does it in real life for a reason. Cause it's a nightmare. It's the nightmare. Yeah. You just wrap the whole freaking box. But anyway, so she wanted the bow, like some crazy direction that didn't no human being had ever done on a gift in the history of mankind. And I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, all right. And so I went and did it and um, I, I presented and we're, we're about to go and I bring it back in and I present it to her and she just loses it. And she had been picking on the crew 
the whole week. She had just been mean to every department, intentionally making everyone's life difficult, holding up production, making us go late. Like, and so it's, she like saw it and she was like, why does it look like this? What? And I was like, what do you mean? Why does it look like this? And, and instead of being like, well, like nice about it and being like, well, we talked, you know, um, or to even saying nothing and being like, if you want me to fix it, I'll go fix it. Which is like, I guess what I should have said, but she can't, she, in the room full of crowded people, there were like 50 of us pre COVID crammed into this tiny little house, the living room of this house. Cause I think we're about to do like a safety meeting or something when it's like the most people in a room. Right. Like, Why does it look like this? And I was like, what, what do you, what do you mean? Why does it look like this? And she was like, no, a present shouldn't look like this. I was like, I know. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. And she was like, not addressing me. She was like, this is the worst prop I've ever seen. This looks terrible. What am I supposed to do with this? Why would anyone do this? Like I'm standing there. She's not talking to me. She's talking about me. <laughs> she's like, and, like she used through the word incompetence around. And I was like, she was, and then she kept going, why does it look like this? And I just lost it. <laughs> Very famous actress, by the way. Very famous. <laughs> like, highly revered in Hollywood. <laughs> and I, I just was like, oh, why does it look like this? Remember when I came up to you and I, like, had this manic sort of diet? Like, I just went on this manic monologue where I was like, remember when you, I asked you, like, are you sure you want it to look like this? And you said, yes, you want it to look like this. And I was like, are you sure? Because that's not normally how presents look. And you said, yes, that's definitely what I want. And I was like, remember how you said that? And then I said, if you do this, I can't undo it. Do you remember that? And I went to the director and I'm like, I said, like, do you want this? And she said, okay, if, if she wants that. And then, and then, and then you said, yes, I want that. And I said, are you sure again? And then you said, yes, I'm sure. And then I went and did it. That's why it looks like this. And she just like, it's, I'm doing this in front of everyone. And if she was dead silent and then she looks at me and she goes, how dare you fucking talk to me like that? I want her fired. I want her off the set, like screaming in the room. Like, nobody shit. speaks to me that way. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Like I was just so angry that I went up to the director who I loved and who was very kind to me. And I was like, this is, this sucks. Like, I'm gonna, like, I'm sorry. I should have kept my mouth shut maybe. And she this, this, this actress was so difficult that, and the director, this is very rare what, how it resulted because normally I feel like I'd be like, goodbye. Like that was fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, you should have kept your mouth shut. But, um, the director was like, you have to go apologize to her. Oh, like, oh, <laughs> oh my God. She's like, you have to, I know you're not wrong. I know what happened. Oh, I want to keep you. So you have to go apologize to her. Mm -hmm. Again, in front of everyone. Filming mm -hmm. has stopped at this point. <laughs> it is not moving forward. <laughs> and so I had to go up to her and be like, I'm sorry, so-and-so. And she just like wouldn't look at me. And I was like, it's my fault. I will go fix it. And I apologize for upsetting you. And she was like, fine. And like threw the thing in my face. And then, um, and then I, and then I angry cried in the bat in the, in the porta potty or whatever for like, for 10 minutes. Oh yeah. <laughs> and we were fine. And, you know, it was, um, the director was so wonderful. She came out and was like comforting me and was telling me about all these instances where something similar had happened to her. Yeah. And she still has to deal with it as a director. Yeah. And it was also because she was a female, which was another, a whole nother side, but it was a really good lesson of like. <clears throat> swallowing my pride 
What mm-hmm. I should have done is that I should have said some disingenuine kind nonsense to her, taped her face to a pillow that night and just like, you know, throw, yeah. you know, thrown it against a wall. Um, but, and then, and then gone to the director and be like, this is what's happening. I need 30 to 45 minutes to go fix it. And that would have been fine. I would have not been in trouble for that. We, we would have all these witnesses to verify it mm-hmm. and I would have been the bigger person and, and it wouldn't have been any fault of my own because I had done my due diligence and spoken to everyone before and, and known that this might cause a delay if you change your mind. And so I just, that's what I should have done. <laughs> so Absolutely. now I know to keep my mouth shut. Nobody has ever speak, spoken to me since like that. No, no actor. But um, now I know too. Just it's hard. It's so hard. And you communicate as much as possible. So everyone knows what you're doing. Like mm-hmm. I, I did, I, I did at first do the right thing. And, um, and you cover your bases like that. And you just have to be nice because you could lose your job. Yeah. Uh, Very real. Very real. Yep. Yeah. So there's, um, this whole thing, uh, I've had a very wild couple of years now and because I dabble with decorating and going in between buying and decorating and I'm not a new, new, I'm not new to the industry. I would say I, I think 13 years I can say like I, I have experience And so a lot of the times I get into disagreements with certain people because I look young and when I go to speak to them, they have no respect for my position or my appearance. And so um, I've been doing a lot of ego work because a lot of the times when you have a situation like that, that you were talking about, that you have to go and rage cry. And it's like, you just feel so strongly and so um, intensely, that's part of your ego. And so I've been doing this thing where it's like, kill your ego. So then that way you can respond with just this, I don't want to say facade, because that's not the right term, but it's, you know, like a kind of a filter. You're responding... Yeah, you're responding with a filter and it's not how you really want to respond and it's not how you genuinely feel about the situation, but you're still able to react in a way that helps you in the future. <laughs> because I have to whatever you're to whatever material you're, it's because it's very hard and I and I I need to do that. Oh, but it's yeah. it is the I feel like it's the biggest challenge for me at work is we all have so many egos going around. It could be huge egos, little egos, insecure egos, whatever it is, our industry is plagued with creative, sensitive people that have these egos. And if something doesn't go a certain way or something is taken personally when it shouldn't be, um, X, Y, Z, you name it, it happens on the daily. Uh, we all kind of get disjointed and a lot of passive aggressiveness happens or like just with the actress, she couldn't even look you in the eye when you were apologizing. Cause she knows that she was in the wrong. She's yeah, I'm like hosting- a of her age. And I was yeah. just like, I look at me, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. but it, it's, you make a good point. Like it goes back to almost the whole offering water and snacks to your, your, um, people in positions of power thing is like mm-hmm. when people are cranky or respond in a certain way, mm-hmm. it really is almost never about you. Absolutely. And 
when I, I started to realize that, um, it, it was amazing how, mm-hmm. how much that, uh, affected my relationship with other people. And just like what you're saying, it was like, everyone has a point. Everyone has a very important job. It always constantly gets undermined. And so I try when I speak to people on set, no matter what department they're in, go at them with this air of like, I see you and I hear you. And what you do is super important. Validation. Uh, I want you to know how this affects me. And I'm doing this because we're a team. And that's why I'm coming to you. Like, no, no, like, because everyone constantly feels attacked and everyone constantly feels unappreciated. Everyone constantly, this, all those, these ego things, you know, they, they feel like their craft is underappreciated. Yeah. Um, because we just disappear and create this one big mass, right? Yeah. It's like we're doing our jobs correctly. We, we disappear. Right. The editor, the props people, the set deck people. It's only when we mess up that people are like, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So everyone's just constantly like, my job, look this, I'm very, look what I've done, you know? And so I don't know, there's that, there is this thing in every industry, in every industry, any job where everyone just wants to know that they're seen and heard and respected. And, um, that's been helpful to, yeah. to know. That I mean, that's, yeah, that's the biggest, I do. It's, I do think that one of the biggest things that the reason people feel so triggered when stuff of a certain nature happens to them and they feel like they're getting called out is because we are so behind the scenes. And so we're all seeking for this, um, not like pat on the back. That's not quite what I'm trying to say, but it's like, you want a little bit of recognition sometimes and you you do get your name in the credits and that's awesome, but we all strive for excellence. And when you present something that you feel in, in your opinion is not up to the level that you want to be performing at, then it's sensitive. And then the minute that someone says something to you, it triggers that like, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not doing good enough or whatever it is that you're feeling. Yeah. And so it unleashes into weird passive aggressive moments and weird things about, oh, they brought me this kind of coffee and I'm allergic to cinnamon and I can't believe they, they must've done this on purpose. And then it turns into a lash out there, you know, like it could be anything. And, um, it's definitely not an industry for the faint of heart. (laughs) It's built, it's built my confidence in so many other, I have to pee. Okay. <laughs> Go pee. <laughs> Hold on. Wait. Stop recording. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I love this little robot that just announces things for me. I know. I That's wonderful. It. <laughs> She's so kind. Yes. It's her deal. You were in the middle of saying something and I... It had, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you ran away. You're like, and definitely I have to pee. Bye. <laughs> it just hit me real sudden, you know? Yeah, I have no idea what you're uh That's one thing. That's another thing. Advice. Don't don't hold your pee, guys. Cause yeah. we do it and they make us do it and they, they make you feel bad about having to go to the bathroom. Like it's yeah. like you can totally mess up your blood. <laughs> I ha- I now have the like the bladder of a small child because I have not gone to the bathroom when I've to the bathroom and yeah. so now I'm just like I I gotta pee like like I'm 80. Yeah, like it's happening. It's happening right now. Gotta go. Bye. It's happening right now. It's I, I'm too young for a catheter. So <laughs> tragically, <Don't say>. yes. <laughs>
could all just go out in the film industry just be like we'd never have to have bathroom breaks how wonderful would that be that would be amazing if we could just adult diapers given out at crafty every day i would love that so much i would just really love to start that in my 30s the AD department would love that because then none of their PAs would take bathroom breaks and the lockups would just be solid. Just give them adult yeah, diapers. Exactly. <laughs> we, we're honestly, if I heard about that happening, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Like that's real. They just hand them out with crafty. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to start that. I'm going to tell people like, there's this one, there's this one AD that makes his PAs wear diapers <laughs> and, 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 and people will be like, yeah, that's messed but up. It, but it's but like believable. Yeah. How efficient is that? It's yeah. efficient. I believe it. I I would be like, I'd be like, oh yeah, okay. I mean, I'm gullible as fuck. So I feel like maybe <laughs> I shouldn't admit yeah. to that. But I feel like if someone told me that, I wouldn't put it past people. Yeah. Absolutely. We're crazy. We're nuts. <laughs> nuts. I know. This industry is nuts. Yeah. I um I am kind of curious because I know that you have worked in a lot of different positions and even crossed departments and could you kind of tell me a little bit more about what it was like going from set dressing to props, then to set deck buying and kind of moving around and then prop mastering? Cause I know you've done so many different positions in yeah. between different departments. Yeah, I've done set deck and props and it's a pretty common transition. So there, there is so much crossover, but, um, I got into set deck because of my, my uncle's position, um, knowing that I wanted to do props. Knowing that I was more interested in the characters and the individual. And I also do prop fabrication. So making the things they hold, you know, um, just adding life to them based on the story and doing things that are just the, just the hyper detail that, you know, that gets seen and things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, So, so I go, I went in knowing that. So my intention was always to find a way to move into props. So what I did is I was the, I was a, the set dresser, um, position, which I, I was not good at. I I really don't feel like I was a good set dresser. I was great with like decorating Mm -hmm. and, and the decorators would be like, Oh good. The only girl in my crew, can you hold, can you handle the small things and make this room look pretty? Right. Yeah. Cause you have a bunch of dudes walking through and just being like, you know, put a vase. Miter saws. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like put a vase in the fridge. You're like, this why the fuck is there a vase in the fridge? You're like, I'm decorating the fridge. What? She's <laughs> just like, or just like, I, it, they would just get elated at like seeing a girl just being like, put these books on the shelf and don't make it look insane. Like, yeah. Okay. Like it's just, um, so I started doing that and, but I knew that I didn't want to be on swing gang. I, I wanted to be on set because that's what my uncle showed me when I was little. And that's what I loved. And I loved directing and I loved seeing the process. So my, my goal, and I did it, I did it by the second, the th- my third show was that I kept asking to be the additional onset dresser because I knew they would get me in front of props people. And I also just, I, that's where I wanted to be. I had no interest in being on swing gang or in the office. And, um, even though the hours are better for sure, <laughs> the hours are so much better. Um, but, uh, so after like a bunch of lead men laughed at me, when I asked if I could be the additional onset, I literally had a lead man when I asked to be the onset. I, I didn't even ask to be the onset dresser. One, because I didn't have the tools. You have to have such a giant kick. And also because I didn't deserve it. Like I was just, you have, you should be in it for a longer time, you know, like, so I was always the additional 
just okay. to assist the onset dresser. But I asked one of my lead men to be the additional and he said, are you, he's like, are you kidding me? Like, what are you going to do when you have to lift a couch? Like, because I was a girl. Yeah. And, and I was like, I'm going to do what the male onset dresser would do. I'll, I'll get a grip on the other end of it. Like, or, you know, the other onset dresser. That's why I'm there. No one lifts a couch by themselves. What is your point? Like, um, so I had a lot of lead men kind of scoff at the idea until one finally gave me a chance and made me the onset for uh, fast seven, which was a very, it's a very big film. So it was really cool for it to be such a big film for my first onset position. And it was another big trial by fire moment. And I loved it. It made more sense to me. And I met the props team and I got to watch them and see if that was something I liked. And it wasn't for fast seven because it was just all guns, <laughs> giant machine guns and things you throw and stick stabby things, lot like and stabby car, things? car things, you know, it just it was like, I was like, I will like props, not on this movie. Like, glad I'm not doing this um, on this movie. But, and then, uh, and then I get, I just kept doing additional onset positions and I got a few onset, actual onset positions and I met the props people and I would verbalize, Hey, I would like to transition into props, which never blows anyone away. If you're onset and set deck or really honestly in any department, it's not like yeah. you're a lawyer being like, I want to do camera. Like you're right. on a set everyone knows you witness a bunch of stuff within their department. You get the way it works. Like if you want to transition into any other department, just speak up to somebody that you've designated as a good human being in that department. Yeah. And then preferably towards the end of a show, when they see that you bust your butt, you know, like that's how you do it. But so I just said it as much as possible. And I eventually started getting day playing jobs um, and props and more and more. And then I would get, full-time positions and my very first on, uh, assistant prop master role as like, on leisure seeker. And, and then I, and then I would jump back into buying because like I said, prop set deck buying because the hours are so much better. Yeah. Uh, kind of, you know, you, you have more set hours in this uh, rather than being at the whim of the shooting schedule. You don't right. necessarily really do overnights. You you can, You're not you know, going to start at 4 a.m. <laughs> not going to start at 4 a.m. And like you know, if you have a life or another hobby afterwards, you can kind of schedule that in, right? Um, and so I would jump into buying when I was asked because the hours are so much better. Yeah, that that's how I I would do that, and then I go right back to set and things like that. And so that's that's basically did that answer was it good? Yeah, no, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> Um, I do feel a little bad about, I just made a joke about like the miter saw and I made a certain voice. Uh, and I just want to clarify everyone in set deck has, um, different strengths and there's definitely a group of people that we call the finished dress dressers that go in and kind of like humanize a the space. They think through what that character is doing in the space and they kind of finish the set and they dress the set with a finish mentality. And I can't then, school to save my freaking life. So. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a group of people that do like, they will put in anchors to hang the mirrors correctly and make sure that they don't fall. And they know how to rig a straight line of paintings and, you know, they know how to re do electrical work for yeah. different sconces and things. So 
I'm just making jokes because we're, we all have different talents and I didn't want to offend anyone. <laughs> Great. It's very true. Um, yeah. Don't bring me in to hang like light sconces. Yeah. I can wire stuff. For some reason I loved wiring. I was like, I can make a lamp out of anything. Like once you figure out how to make something a lamp, I was like, that's a lamp, but that's a lamp, but that's a lamp. But that was just like freaking out. Like everything's a lamp. Like it was just so cool to me. But then like, and then I also like, I can install outlets really well for some reason. That makes oh, nice. sense. But everything else, I was just like sweating bullets because of the anxiety. Like I would just, it's a, it's a mental state too. You know, you're told as a girl, you're not good with tools. And so yeah. in your head, you're not good with tools. And then everyone's staring at you and you're like, I'm not good with tools. And so you're like, I'm going to go dress this bookcase. But, um, it's, yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I watch, I watch most of the swing gang with awe. There's a reason I didn't do it. And that's because it's very, very hard. Like yeah. it's really hard to be a set dresser. And yeah. I, having done it, I'm so glad I did it for so long because when I go to sets now as shooting crew, cause I remember being like all butthurt and I still, cause when you're, you're, you know, you're buying and things like that, you know, you work your butt off and you make this set and the shooting crew comes in and they leave shit everywhere. Like their mm-hmm. water bottles or food and nobody says anything about it. Nobody, everyone just walks on like, yeah, this haunted mansion's just always been here. And you're yep. just like, you're on a stage. How do you think <laughs> this got here? Like, and so I try and make a point to find the decorator and find some of the swing gang that I usually end up knowing from something, or if I don't, and, and just being like, you guys have done a beautiful job because it's just so underappreciated because it's just there once the yeah. shooting crew gets there. And, yeah. and it's just like, look at everything and the doorknobs and this that they got and it matches that and the thing at the end of the bed and the, the character, you know, like clothing's correct for the character. And like, and so it is just, it is just so it is so hard <laughs> to be a set dresser and, you know, behind the scenes and everything. It really is. Yeah. Anytime I uh, decorate, I always make it a point to thank my crew and uh, just be very verbal about my, it, it sounds stupid, but like verbally affirm how great of a job they did. And it sounds cheesy, but I mean, there was this one time I was working on a set and I was, I was buying, um, but my crew didn't have an elevator to bring stuff up to the second floor and they had to bring a couch that at the last minute they picked up from one of the set dressers houses because the couch didn't fit or was something crazy happened. It was like a bed and a couch last minute. And then they, before shooting crew shows up in like 30 minutes, they had to uh, create a dolly pull, not a dolly, a pulley system to bring the bed and the couch up to the second story through a window and just like watching it happen and they figured this out in five minutes. And there's times where it sounds so disingenuous, but I, it blows my mind. And I'm just so impressed that we have such like creatively problem-solving people I know. that we work with every day. And it's all different really And you're just like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, I've seen that kind of stuff too. And it's so, and then you get there like this bed of this couch. It's always been there. Like nobody says thank yeah. you. Oh my God. It's just like trying not to, trying not to freak out. Um, there was a, when I was buying on, on Lovecraft country, I, I, I learned to keep my Max. Oh, hi kitten. Cat is um, getting Max. Oh, he's so handsome. Oh, Good job. So <laughs> All right. oh he's so fluffy. Yeah, he's so fluffy. Oh. Uh, he's just holding on to me like a sloth. Right now. You think I love you, mama? <laughs> I love this so much. <laughs> 
Um, now he's actually stuck on me, but uh, oh, stop, let go, let go, get down. No, no, sorry, hold on one second. Okay, he's in my lap now. Okay, so the director was looking at some stuff that was, uh, the whole shooting crew had moved into one of the sets on uh, Lovecraft Country and I was buying on that. And I had been brought in, I was brought in a lot to just draw all these, like when you see a chalkboard in like a lab that has like crazy equations and a drawing of like um, an eclipse and, and things that you're like, that's all spooky. And, but I don't know what it is. And it looks like science and math, which again, third time, I don't know. So we know that none of it's real. I I'm really good at making like nonsense chalkboard like stuff just that's awesome. fancy, means nothing. Gotcha. So I had done tons of that for Lovecraft country. And the director, I'd walked on just when the director was staring at what I had specifically. And he wanted to make sure none of the symbols or none of the math gave away anything in the future. It wasn't real. Didn't confuse the audience. Didn't relate to anything else. And so he was yelling into the crew. He's like, who did this? Who drew this? What does this mean? Is this a real symbol? What is this? Does this have to like be, cause there were so many symbols in the script. And so I came out of nowhere. It was just like the best timing. And I walked up and I was like, oh, this means this. And this means that. And that actually means nothing. It literally means nothing. And he was like, how do, what do you mean? None of this means anything. I'm like I just, these are just made up symbols. I like used my left hand and like went into a fugue state and none of these symbols actually exist in real life. And he just was like, who are you? <laughs> and he just looks at me and it's like, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm just one of the buyers. And he goes, I've never met you before. And I was like, I know that's because I'm good at my job. Like I said something like, and then I was like, we just, I said, we disappear like farts in the wind. <laughs> and he was just kind of like, oh, well, thank you. I was like, uh-huh. And I just like walked away. <laughs> like made this whole set. It's the director. And he just told him we were all farts in the wind if we were good at our job. So just like, you're like fairies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fairies or farts. You got to pick one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Luckily he like responded well to that, but like one of my friends overheard it that wasn't, that wasn't props on set. And she was just like, remember when you like went up to the director and just said that you were a fart in the wind, like <laughs> kind of pissy. And I was like, I'm not doing great at this whole keeping my mouth shut thing. I gotta, I gotta dial it back in. Max, you are rubbing my feet with your little hands. Oh yeah. It's kind of creepy. He's, he's doing he's doing muffins on the bottom of my foot because I'm sitting cross-legged. Oh, oh. I was like, how is he touching your feet? I can see him in your lap. <laughs> he's doing, he's doing. Oh, buddy. He's so handsome. He's very handsome. He knows it. <laughs> I love that. Oh, man. The director. You straight up told the director, like, farts in the wind. That's amazing. Well, just, he was just so, like, who are you? And I was like, we had this, this set was beautiful. It was like Sam's lab. It was this crazy set. It was so neat. And we had killed ourselves over it. And I had, I had, we just, it was beautiful. And for him to look at me and to be like, who are you? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just one of the buyers. <laughs> I, I'm no one. I don't nope. matter. Goodbye. Like Why'd you like the set though? You like it? It's good. That's good. I'm going to go away now. Yeah, running, just, running away. Goodbye. Disappear. Yeah, just farts. We're farts in the wind, but it's true. We're, we are. Um, the set is just this beautiful product that I just. I'm always in awe of when I walk on to it, and I. It's so neat to see when other people are too. 
Yeah. Um, how long they've been in the industry, especially director, which you can't undersell how much they control the whole tone of the set. Absolutely. And they walk on and they, I, one of the sets on Lovecraft, my mother has an ethnographic import store where she like sells textiles. You, yeah, you know, you've been there and, and masks and all that stuff. And there was a beautiful museum set in Lovecraft country. And we took everything from our store and, and through the combined knowledge of just growing up in that store, I was able to make sure the tribes were accurate. They were based on where the story would have been. I, I had a conference with like all the people to be like, well, if this guy went up the East coast of Africa, he would run into this tribe, this tribe and this tribe. And these are the artifacts we have from them. And this is where they would go. And I had to design the, the cases and things like that. And the director made me stay when they opened the set and made everyone stop and like introduced me and introduced the, my, the fact that it was my mother's items and that these weren't from like home goods. These were artifacts that were hundreds and hundreds of years old from actual tribes and had made the entire crew applaud me. Which, again, just like the Donald Sutherland thing, I was like, I got to go. I got to get, that's very nice. I have to stay for the opening, whatever. And then I walked away being like, that was really awesome. Cause that never happens. No. And, and she wanted everyone to appreciate that, that the attention to, to detail. Mm-hmm. And when you walk, hear a director walk on and be like, this is beautiful. Look how beautiful the set is. And like, I just, I wish more directors would, would do that. Like take a minute to be like, look at the set, look where you are. Yeah. This set, mm-hmm. especially the AD department to announce like this, you need to don't put your stuff down on this. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, that's yeah. kind of the onset dresser's job for anyone that wants to do that is when I was onset dressing, I would go to the AD and be like, this is a very expensive set. This is, and, and I don't want any, we can't have any food on the set. We can't have people putting things down, you know, things like that, you know, just, we need to appreciate how expensive this set is. And then they'll make an announcement before we start filming. Mm-hmm. But you have to say something. Usually. Yeah, you definitely. And as a direct a decorator too, when you're um, opening set, you always want to give your ADs a heads up if there's something that's really valuable or precious, like, like yeah. those pieces were that you had you want to let them know. And then you also convey it to your onset dresser just so you have representation because you won't be there. Throughout the day because people yeah. get tired and they start yeah. like leaving stuff. Mm. Oh yeah. I had um, one time we were filming in America's Mart and we had tons of roche Babois furniture everywhere. And as you know, it's like thousand dollar um, pillows and like just insanely expensive furniture. The coffee table, I think, was worth somewhere around 29 grand. There was a chair that was like over 15. And I came to set and I had told the AD and I had told our on-set dresser, um, you know, no one sits in these chairs because a lot of the times our crew members will have stuff in their pockets. You'll damage something, could be whatever. And I come back from lunch or something because we're dressing down down the way and I see a sound guy booming from one of the fifty thousand dollar chairs <laughs> and then a um, wardrobe has like a bunch of stuff placed on another chair and uh, makeup has their makeup bag on another chair and so I about lost my mind because I was like you guys don't you didn't personally loan this out like I have a relationship with them so I get that it's just here yeah. for you but it's also yeah. not a this is not a real set like this is 
we're fake. This is fake. I brought this in. This is not for regular use. This is not your house. (laughs) Don't take your shoes off and put it on the furniture. This is crazy. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, they'll they'll do it once and then you have to kind of keep reminding. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, I would never come into your office and just put my butt all over your paperwork that you, your time card, (laughs) the stuff that makes you get paid. I would never just put my butt on that. So please don't put your butt on mine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, I would love more of a general respect for, um, the set and and things like that. Just, just in general, you know, I think it's, I think it's a practice that, that I hope we start doing more and the good ADs will, they really care. They really, yeah, definitely. It's really nice when they do. Yeah, that's definitely huge. Well, I stuff. Sorry, our director right now like says things. He's like, "This set looks amazing. We should get." Oh, oh, that's so nice. What's your director's name? Uh, Michael Satrazimus. Oh, that's a long one. He's in Walking Dead. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I worked with um, Clea Duvall on Happiest Season, and I have never worked with someone who's been more grateful for every inch of set dressing. She would walk onto set and know from the scout what it looked like prior. And then we would transition, you know, whatever room of this house or set piece or, you know, whatever it was, we transition it. And she came up to me and was like, I can't thank you enough for how you do smalls. And to me, that's the biggest compliment because if a director's specifically coming out to me who's decorating and I took my time to focus in on this because to me, the character development is the biggest part of your set because you're like revealing their house and their home and something personal. So it tells the story. And if your director's like, I love what you did, it means more than the paycheck to me. Yes, it does. I'm like... I did it right. Like I did, I interpreted your character the way you told me and the way the designer showed me and I did, I delivered it correctly. So that's always, I love when you get a great director that's really understanding and appreciative. I mean, and they're appreciative because they've had bad decorators, you know, like so nice to have a decorator that cares about the story and is able to get into the mind of the character. And that's another thing I think that, some departments, it matters way more than others. Like, you know, I'm not going to say that like uh, the, the grip department needs to know the script very, very well, but to, if you fit, you always need to know the script. Well, it's mm-hmm. kind of amazing. And, and it shows a great initiative, you know, and um, if you haven't gotten a script, sometimes they won't let you read it, like depending on your position, of course, but like asking, you never know if they'll let you read it. They usually yeah. just assume you don't want to. and Definitely. It's kind of, I, I used to ask for the scripts as a, as a God bless it, Max. Sorry, he just has these little knife hands. Stop it. Sorry. Sorry. It hurts so much. My, my foot is upturned and he keeps digging his nails into it. Oh, buddy. Sorry. Uh, I was just saying that it shows, it, it shows great initiative to ask to read a script, even if they can't, even if they can't give it to you, they'll tell you that, but Yeah. It's, it's, it's people want people on their team that know the story. Absolutely. And the more people that have eyes on the story, the stronger the team is, I feel like. Absolutely. Cause you know, what's going going on that day, you know, it's getting shot. So you know what to expect and you kind of have an idea of what you're working on. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, chronological things like that. I'm sorry, I keep talking over you, and I feel like I'm making your audio unusable. Am I messing? No, no, no. <laughs> it's we're gonna we're gonna test the waters with this Zoom recording and see how well okay. we do. My editor might kill me, but it's, <laughs> it just is what it is right now. Twenty twenty two. You're lucky you're getting anything. Exactly. You know what? I heard the voice is drunk. Like it's it's a drunk voice. It's just like you're getting. You just get it. Like, you're just you're just getting it. Yeah. <laughs> I heard the best uh, analogy for 2022. I was crying, laughing so hard at this, but it was um, this guy was explaining what to expect from 2022, and he's like, 2022 is the side chick of years. It's not the one. It's not going to be the one. You're not going to propose to it. You're not going to marry it. It's just the one that you're going to text at 3 a.m. and say you up. And if it comes over, cool. And if it doesn't, that's just how it is. And I I don't know why I found that so funny, but it... It's I was accurate. Because we're so broken. We're just gonna, <laughs> I don't know. Right. Maybe I could take it or leave it. Honestly. It's just, like Maybe things will get better. You're like, yeah, maybe they won't. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I have no strong feelings about 2022 either way. Yeah, much like a side chick. Exactly. I would assume. Yes. Get down or don't get down. (laughs) I love that I can see his butt. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He is giant. Yeah, giant cat. He's a yeah. He's a Maine Coon. Oh, okay. Got thumbs. Oh my God. He's so cute. <laughs> he doesn't care about anything. I love him. Being next to mama as much as possible. Being yes. on mama and being next to mama and being in her face and crying to mama when she's trying to sleep. Perfect. I love this. All of this. <laughs> uh, I did want to get into some of your comedy stuff real quick um, because we I'm so grateful that you're doing this on your weekend and your time off. I know how hard it is to have free time. So I appreciate you doing this in the first place, but I do want to talk about your comedy stuff um, because you're a comedian and you're a co-producer. Well, I'll let you talk about it, but uh, tell me about your comedy stuff, please. So I co-produced the show with uh, actual uh, another, another prop master in the uh, Atlanta film scene, Karen Felix. And we have a company called fire city comedy. um, And we run, well, it was bi-monthly, but COVID has kind of messed that up. So usually, and when things go back to normal, it's twice a month, every uh, other Sunday, over at Wild Heaven uh, in the West End, in their big, big garden room space. It's been a real journey. It's been really, really fun. It's been, it, it's, we created it because uh, we, wanted a, we wanted a really safe space for comedians of different backgrounds to tell their story and kind of trick people into listening through laughter, essentially. <laughs> you know, oh, being, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's what we're doing. And, and so we're, and then, so next month we're teaming up with um, two other really great comedy uh, companies, um, one up comedy, which is Joe Pettis and uh, hissy fit comedy, which is um, Holly Ballantine and Amber Chandler. And we're putting on this big festival in that West End complex, the Lean White com- complex, we're renting out a few of the breweries and distilleries and um, Bog Social Supply at the end over there. And we're calling it, it's, it's called the West End Comedy Fest. And we're bringing in like international and national touring 
people that have been in Conan and Jimmy Fallon and all these big comedians are bringing them in. Um, most of our headliners are females. Oh, we're very okay. excited about, um, and not because we were like, oh, we want women headliners. We're like, these are genuinely <laughs> the funniest people out of our submissions. And it was, and then we turned around and looked at what we had chosen and we were like, all right, like, you know, I know whatever. And that's, it was great. You know, it was a great thing to realize that because we all had done it separately. We all like voted separately. And then we have a lot of local Atlanta uh, comedians coming in because we have an amazing comedy scene here full of just the kindest, most talented people. So it'll, it's going to be the 11th and the 12th of February. And it's, it's going to be, I'm really excited. It's going to be a, a quite a, a huge undertaking that uh, literally sucks up all of my other time that I'm not on set, but um, I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm excited. And then you guys, you also have an Instagram, right? Yes, I do. It is, um, Eric, well, do you want well, mine both. or you both? both. Yeah. Okay, so it's, uh, there's, there's West end comedy fest. There, that's the handle for that. And then there's fire city comedy for me and Karen's company. And then my personal one is Ariel three underscores. Ooh. I know somebody else took it. Uh, Rose. So Ariel three underscores and Rose, my middle name. So awesome. And you're always posting all these like fun drawings and doodles and stop motion things that I super love and <laughs> find wildly entertaining. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So I definitely highly recommend everyone to check out all of these and buy tickets for her festival that's coming up in February. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be good to be a good time. You can go you can do one day, one show, or or both days. It's a lot of a lot of variety. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I've been to a couple of your shows now and I both love when you host and when you perform. So I will have to get my own tickets and I'm excited. Thank you. I'm I'm hosting I'm hosting the headliner shows, but I will throw in a joke or two. There. Love that. Yeah. 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 It's very serious comedy hosting. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll make a joke so yeah just a one just a single yeah, just joke. One. you get one yeah yeah you paid for one joke that's it <laughs> discounted ticket you paid for one joke exactly awesome well thank you so much for coming on and doing this I'm very excited to see all your future work and and to uh release this episode so people can kind of hear a different side of things that's both set deck and props and crazy and industry stories of all kinds that we uh covered today mm -hmm. thank you so yeah. much thank you for having me I, I had a great time it's it's uh it was really it was awesome oh you don't have to lie to anyone I'm it not saying you <laughs> was the worst it was what sad what a waste of my time I could have been sitting on the couch with my cat also in my lap doing nothing yes that's true this is true <laughs> awesome thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening to another episode of go for Zodic. Uh, I'm really excited to be back and our email which is super important if you ever want to send us an email you kind of need that information, so I should probably give it to you, which I will. It's gofersetdeckpodcast at gmail.com. Even if you just want to say hello, ask a question or two, send in a story, write about your feels, recommend a song. That's what it's there for. And then if you haven't already, check us out on Instagram, gofersetdeckpodcast. And uh, love new friends. Love a follow. 
And, oh, God, it's been so long since I've done an outro <laughs> that my brain is like, what are we supposed to say in these moments? Um, follow Ariel on Instagram and follow her comedy whole situation. She did a couple plugs for her comedy festival and her shows and her company that she co-produces. And also, I would just like to say thank you so much for listening Sorry about the ads that I had to add into this, but um, every listen that you guys do for me adds up to money and then eventually I can get sponsors and that's very exciting for me, which that actually reminded me that I should probably tell you something. If you like review any on any platform of this podcast, wow, words are hard. I know how to speak. I was taught English. All right. Um, if you like or write a review it raises my podcast on the platforms and just kind of gets it out to new crowds and new people, which helps me out. And I would appreciate it if you just like subscribed and review because that helps in all of the ways. Oh man, I am, I am a bit rusty <laughs> and you guys are still here. Uh, so that was Ariel. She's amazing. Check out all her stuff. If you ever see her on set, give her a hello. She's a wonderful human and I adore her. And that was a fun little mini-sode. So goodbye and don't forget, be an exceptional human today, tomorrow, this week, sometime later, sometime in the future, sometime in the past, you choose, maybe you're a time traveler, I don't know. All right, goodbye.